All right, everyone, welcome to the Above Average Football Fan Podcast for above average football fans and below average football fans who want to learn more about the game, or if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, here we are for episode nine. We're going to talk to former Gamecock, Corey Boyd. Corey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you having me. All right, man, so I wanted to start off talking a little bit about your high school football experience. You're from New Jersey, right? Yes, I am. All right, where, uh, tell me a little bit about your experience playing football up in New Jersey. Cold. <laughs> uh, what kind of offense were you guys running, or what were you all doing? Uh, we, had a, we had a lot of different offenses, depending on the personnel. That was one thing our high school coach really harped on was knowing his personnel. And we had a multi-dimensional offense. Sometimes we could run the power high. Sometimes we would run the spread. Uh, sometimes we would run the triple option. This depended on, you know, what type of athletes we had in that, that year or that span. And... Uh, yeah, it kind of worked for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. That sounds good. I'm, I'm all about, I, I personally believe, you know, it is about setting your offense to your personnel, not trying to set your personnel to your offense. And, you know, when you got guys who you need to have to, to run the triple option or the power eye or the spread, that's what you need to be running. It can't be trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and be successful. Yeah, definitely not in today's football. Absolutely. So you're from New Jersey. Uh, Coach Holtz recruited you down to South Carolina. What was it about South Carolina that that got you interested? Family vibes. Cool. Um, I like that. On a visit, you know, when I came, I saw a lot of people from New Jersey, where I was from. May not be from the same town, but, you know, from surrounding areas. Just felt like a more home home vibe and I just wanted to be around a place that I could grow uh, and they would accept me for who you know who I was and where I was coming from and it was no other school that gave me that feeling you know most schools wanted me to play uh, both sides of the ball mm-hmm. which was you know a label that I didn't really want to be on my head so mm-hmm. I wanted to be back I didn't want to be an athlete um, but South Carolina gave me the best opportunity, and I felt like it was a great opportunity for me to just grow into being the best athlete, student athlete, that I could have been. Awesome, awesome. Um, was there anyone else that was recruiting you heavily that you, you thought about, or was it, you like you said, you got a feeling at Carolina and that was, you knew? I had about, you know, three schools that were my top. Uh, Wisconsin was one, and Virginia Tech was another. Um, but like I said, no other school. Well, Wisconsin really did want me to play running back as well. Um, they had great success with, you know, New Jersey running backs in the past. So, you know, they felt it would be, you know, a no-brainer to bring another one in and groom me to be that running back, uh, you know, that they needed me to be for the program. But it was just too cold. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, if you were trying to get away from the cold in Jersey, Wisconsin's not the place to go. Yeah, it definitely wasn't for me. You know, I'm a, I'm a summer baby, so I, I, I like to be in, in that, that summer-type weather, spring-type weather majority of the time. So, you know, South Carolina, uh, 
just it just fit, you know, all around. And you know, I was I was just grateful that I had the opportunity to you know go there. Yeah, absolutely, that's great. So one of the things I try to ask guys about when I talk to them that are former players like yourself that played in college, do you remember like a welcome to college moment maybe at practice or in in the weight room lifting or whatever it might be where you were like okay i'm gonna have to step up my game or were you able to kind of roll with it as soon as you walked in the door to be honest i was always taught that you know preparation loves success and success loves preparation so you know i came early uh, just so I could, you know, get a feel of the campus, get a feel of the weight room and just the environment that the school had to give. And uh, I did have a, you know, welcome to NCAA moment in my freshman year uh, against Virginia. Mm-hmm. I finally got in for some playing time that, you know, I, I thought I deserved a little bit more and, when they gave me an opportunity, I had a, a great run. Um, me and another player collided, and you know he was shaking up after the play, and I was, you know, a little woozy, but I still got up. And uh, to see the fans and hear them and hear my teammates, you know, cheer me on for accomplishing, you know, a big hit. You know, it let me know, okay, I'm, I'm here. I finally made it. I'm in the NCAA now. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. No, I was actually at that game, and I definitely remember the hit you're talking about. That was a big boy come through there, and like, let's, let's. This is a man hit right here. Uh, when I had Langston on earlier, Langston Moore a couple episodes ago, he talked about knockback hits. That was definitely a knockback hit. It definitely was. It was like two Rams going up against each other. We both fell back, but you know, one got up, another one, you know, unfortunately didn't. Yeah. But you know, that's the. That's the sport we play. Yeah, it is. It is, and that's a tough part of it. And but the, at the same time, that's how you want to play the game uh, and going going hard. And that's what we're taught and how we're taught to do it. And that's what you were doing, and that's what he was doing. Um, so when you got to Carolina, what, was Skip Holtz running the offense at that time at Carolina? Yes. Yeah. Coach Skip. So. Leave him and Coach Holtz uh, with letting duty, but majority of the time it was Skip Holtz. One of the things I wanted to talk about is um, tell me a little bit about like a play call kind of break. Like I've talked with Perry Orth about play calls under Steve Spurrier and how they went. You know, the basic anatomy, so to speak, of a play call is it's usually formation, some kind of motion, and then the play call itself. And, you know, famously, depending on the offense, the West Coast offense, you've got insanely difficult, long, sentence-feeling play calls. And then in the air raid, it's two words. What was a, a play call like under Skip Holtz? Was it pretty basic? Was it complex? How do you, What do you remember about that? Oh, uh, it, was, it was pretty uh, simple. Okay. Uh, you know, it always gave your, your formation. It always gave your wide receivers what their, uh, what their duties were. Uh, the linemen knew what their duties were on certain uh, terminologies. Running backs knew what their, you know, terminologies were. So it was very simple to to read. Uh, I wouldn't give out their playbook, you know, their their calls. Oh, absolutely but, not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it definitely spoke to, you know, it, it was like reading a book from left to right. You know, uh, it spoke to the outside first, which are the wide receivers, and you know, letting them know uh, where they needed to line up. And then you had the offensive line that had their own uh, their own trigger word that let them know if they were going to be 
pass blocking or run blocking. And then you had the actual play mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, indicated for the running back, either he would be in a protection or he would be, you know, out in a route or, you know, he would be uh, doing something otherwise. So it was it was pretty simple, straight to the point. And, uh, you know, I actually utilize uh, similar, similar terminologies and things in my offense uh, where I'm coaching at now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I want to definitely talk about that um, and, and what you're doing and how you're coaching now. Um, so at Carolina, um, you know, you mentioned the Virginia game, the big hit. Do you have an, any other game that really kind of stands out to you as, you know, that was your best game or a game that was your most memorable or, or anything like that? No, not too many. You know, I always try to play the game uh, at its highest level. Always try to be a leader in the locker room and try to um, play to the best of my abilities so that it, 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 you know, inspired my teammates to, you know, lift their, their abilities as well. And, um, you know, the memories that we left out there, they're always in my heart there. There's not really one that I can, you know, pinpoint. Right. Because there are so many great moments, you know, on and off the field uh, while at Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as you were playing at your time at Carolina, there was obviously a transition from uh, Coach Holtz to Coach Spurrier. Obviously, uh, the players right now at Carolina are going through something similar with a transition from Coach Muschamp to uh, Coach Beamer. You know, what – I, you know, when I played, I only played at the high school level, but I had, we had the same head coach and everything my whole time. And so what's that feeling like when you when you have a new coach coming in the building? It's it's not necessarily somebody who recruited you. What were, what was your thought process at that time? Uh, for me at that time, it was it was a little nerve wracking having one regime recruit you, um, promise you a lot of things and uh, to, to see it all you know, fall or change, you know, overnight, it definitely made me sit back and, you know, reevaluate myself, uh, reevaluate my commitment. Um, but I, I was raised with, you know, certain standards and certain morals that, you know, you stick with, you know, you stick with who you pick, um, you follow through with anything that you start. So, you know, I, I knew that, you know, change always comes in this profession, and I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I maximized every opportunity that was given to me, either, you know, from Lou Holtz or from Steve Spurrier when he came in. You know, I just wanted to, you know, make sure that my leadership and, you know, my, my skill level and my talents and my leadership, you know, you know, it showed above the rest. Okay, good. I hear you. I, that's a, I, I totally understand that mindset, and, um, you know, I can totally get that. So I mentioned just a second ago the transition, but also, you know, we're recording here on Sunday. Yesterday was the first day of spring practice um, under Coach uh, Beamer. What was spring practice like for you? How did you – I know it sounds like you took every second you were on a football field very seriously, but spring practice as a compared to fall camp, were there any differences in your mind or, or how you prepared or maybe how other guys seemed to take it? Uh, no, you know, we, we had the toughest uh, strength and conditioning coaches there were. So our off-season development training, you know, really was, uh, you know, very vigorous and, and hard. You know, uh, we, we, we did a lot in such a short amount of time because, you know, we still had to go to class and, you know, there was other meetings and things that we needed to do. So, 
you know, waking up in the winter time, you know, four, between four or six o'clock in the morning, you know, making sure that you got your body, making sure that you got, you know, your workouts together, your food together, uh, making sure that you're getting ready for class. You know, those things don't change, you know, uh, workouts uh, may change a little bit because now you have an opportunity to go out on the field and, you know, showcase and see what all of the strength men was about, you know, how did you, you know, develop, you know, in that short period of time. So it's more of an evaluation time in the springtime, uh, more so than when it, when it is in the wintertime. Wintertime is the grind time and getting that summer body ready. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Want to, uh, I feel you on that. So, uh, you know, before we talk a little bit about your time as a coach now, you, you spent a, a good many years in professional football, both in the NFL and then in the CFL. Um, were you with the – I think if I remember correctly, you were with the Bucks at one point, right? Yeah, I was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in uh, the 2007 or the 2008 draft. One of them. My days seem to – Yeah, I hear you. That's how long it's been since I've I've been playing that game or thinking on that game for myself. But yeah, I've played with them, and I also had a you know a short stint with the Denver Broncos, and from there I took my talents over to Canada uh, to play for the Toronto Argonauts. And uh, at the tail end of my career, you know I was able to play for another great organization in Canada, which were the Edmonton Eskimos. Oh, very cool, very cool. I knew you had been with Toronto. Um, I, I did not. I'd forgotten about the Eskimos. That's cool. So when you got again, you know, it's another step up. High school to college, college to the NFL. That NFL training camp, you know, was 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 that like? I know you talked about being prepared and preparing your body and getting ready. Like, what was that jump like for you as a player when it came to either the level of competition, the complexity of the offenses, what you were being asked to do? What was that jump like? Uh, I know the mentality had to change. Uh, you know, like I said, I was taught by some great, you know, strength and conditioning coaches at Carolina. But when you take that transition from, you know, being a college athlete to being a pro, you know, your approach to developing your body and learning about the anatomy is a little bit more challenging because of, you know, the type of practices and the type of attention that, you know, the pro game uh, makes you, you know, pay attention to. So, you know, it, it was more of like a culture shock. Right. If I could tell. Um, first time ever, you know, but it was it was a good culture shock to help me realize that, you know, you have to pay a little bit more attention to this body that God has given you. You really only get one. You want to make sure that you're, you know, pulling it together, uh, not just for the time and the present time that you're in, but also for, you know, future, you know, to, to have a body after the game. So. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you there. So, you know, we talked a second about uh, Skip Holtz's offensive play calls and then how you've kind of, you know, all made sense. So it was easy to remember. Then you got John Gruden because he was your coach in Tampa Bay where you've got some of the most, you know, we've all seen it on ESPN and when he's been mic'd up hearing these play calls that quarterbacks can't even get out of their mouth. And, I mean, was was that hard to learn or was it just a, a matter of, of putting your mind to it and getting to where you needed to be? Once you learn football, um, terminologies are going to change. Uh, but they're still, you know, the, the basics of the game. And, uh, I always try to learn the game or offensive playbook by, you know, 
what terms, you know, matter to the running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, what terms help me or include me uh, in the p- pass protection? That's what most NFL coaches would like to know. You know, uh, do you understand the pass protections and where you need to plug yourself in at? So when knowing that, you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier because you know when run plays, <laughs> you yeah. know you get the ball. So you right. definitely learn those plays. But uh, learning the pass protections and what terminologies uh, include you, and then also knowing, okay, what terminologies take me out of pass coverage, I mean passing, pass blocking, and then, you know, puts me into the to the routes itself. You know, once you learn those, you know, it was pretty much easy to dissect an offense because when the quarterback's speaking so much or the coach is giving that call, you learn to block out all of the other words and terminologies that really don't matter to you. Yeah, I got you. That I totally understand what you're saying there. Totally understand that. Is there a particular running scheme that you preferred as a player and now as a coach? Are you more of a power guy? Are you more of a zone blocking uh, approach? Or are you a, a guy who likes to have a little bit of both in his playbook? Uh, that's that's a that's a good question. Uh, I tend to not want to give that away a little bit. I hear you. Okay. I know that some of you know, someone that I may coach up against may listen. I got and they you. May, may try to scheme a little bit, but you know, I love all all forms. You know, I love to stretch. Uh, you know, I just love the the inside zone. Uh, it just depends on you know what 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 type of defense you're playing up against. You know, what type of box you're going up against. Uh, if you're going up against a six man box, you know, seven man box. It just depends. You know. Uh, I'm a running back, so I like the ball <laughs> with whichever way is easier. <laughs> right. No, I got you. No, I mean, as an old uh, offensive lineman and, and then offensive line and tight end coach, I always just sort of preferred power in the fact that I had a little bit more there wasn't as much communication needed. Like, I, you know, I'm going to double team with the guard, you know, going back away or whatever the case may be, whereas zone, and I like zone as well, and I love the stretch. I love a good stretch zone. Um, but, like, there just has to be so many things that the offensive line, the two guys working in tandem, have to be on the same page for it to work well. Um, and if you can do it, you can do it great, then that's awesome. But the system I grew up playing in and, and whatnot was more of that old-school power counter um, you know, type system, and, and we'd slip a draw in there every once in a while. But, you know, and I do love, like you said, I like it all, but that's just how, how when I coached and played, that was the most comfortable I felt was when I, we were running those power plays. Um, yeah. So let's switch gears to you as a coach now. Um, tell folks where you're coaching right this minute. Currently, I coach for South Carolina Faith and m College, uh, which is in partnership with Trident Tech and also Livingstone College. Very good, very good. So how has how has COVID impacted you guys, uh, y'all's team? Have you been able to practice? What was your season? Is, is your season coming up this fall, or how how all that work out for y'all? I actually signed as a, co- a head coach here uh, last year, right before COVID really took a toll. But through it all, you know, we would try to be very creative on how to you know, keep our kids active. We had uh, winter workouts, an extended period. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took some some trips together as a team uh, to the beach, created a good documentary. 
to just show the behind the scenes of, you know, the struggles and the, you know, the trials and tribulations that we went through as a program, losing some kids that could not come from out of state, um, but still, you know, finding, you know, the bright side of it all, just, you know, being together, building a brotherhood and uh, the young gentlemen are still, you know, pushing and, and making sure that their grades are up to par because if any opportunity did come up, we we, we still want to promote these next kids uh, by ascending them to the next level. So, Absolutely. I hear you. I hear you. Is that documentary something you guys are going to put out to the public to, to see? We've actually already had. Okay. We've, uh, First season is a four-part documentary series uh, that we released on YouTube. Uh, okay. Our YouTube channel is South Carolina Faith A&M Football. Um, we have uh, four strong, positive uh, recruiting uh, tools. I mean, episodes that help with our recruiting tools, and uh, just trying to give you know a little bit more of an inside look on a local South Carolina. Uh, junior college on the upcoming we've been around for five years this will be going on our sixth year uh we still have some things to overcome um but you know we're going to keep plugging away uh, our director yuri smalls has uh battled through some health issues uh which also has also you know slowed us down a little bit but you know god has truly blessed us with him you know getting his recovery uh, and also still being able to, you know, keep the whole program, you know, up to part. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, um, I'm going to definitely check out that documentary. That sounds really interesting. Definitely something for folks who like this type of podcast that, that love football and love the behind-the-scenes look of football, and, and I'll definitely have to watch that myself for sure. Um, switching gears for just a second, back to – South Carolina, I mentioned earlier now, we've got uh, – school's got a new head football coach in Shane Beamer. Um, were you at South Carolina when Coach Beamer was there, or, or did y'all – were y'all not there at the same time? I believe Coach Beamer was just coming in the door uh, right after I left out, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I, I knew of Coach Beamer. Uh, like I said, his dad recruited me sure. you know, at uh, Virginia Tech. So it was uh, – it was a good thing to have him or see him become the new head coach. I know his pedigree. I know uh, his mindset. I know his passion is definitely something that, you know, our school uh, has been missing and need, you know, definitely at this time. Um, I just hope and pray that the, the youngsters that are there and the, the vets that are there uh, can really rally around what his message is. You know, I've spoken to Coach Beamer. Um, you know, not too long ago uh, when they were actually searching for a new running backs coach. And we had a very, uh, very good conversation about, you know, what his plan was and, you know, how he's looking to, you know, bring back the culture, you know, um, the Gamecock way, you know, with the right players and alumni coming back. You know, and the kids that he have, I think, you know, he, he has a good mission and uh, I'm behind him 110 percent. Absolutely. I mean, as a 
a fan um, and a, a fan of not just South Carolina, but football in general and who somebody who likes, I'm, I'm a principal in my real job. So I, you know, I, I like to look at leaders and, and try to take things from leaders. And just in that short period of time that, that coach Beamer has been in, in, in charge here in Columbia, it just, uh, the couple things that stand out to me is the true general, genuine passion for South Carolina football. He, when he says this is his dream job, that's not just something he tells fans and media. You can tell by his actions that he, he lives that and breathes that. And it's just, I, I personally believe when you're a leader, when you are passionate about being somewhere, it's not just a job, you want to be there. It just breeds more time for success. I think he's brought in coaches that have that same feeling. You know, you, you think about a, a Eric Kimry, who, you know, is from this area, grew up in this area, played high school in this area, obviously played at Carolina, has been coaching at Car- here in ha- at Hammond in Columbia, and now gets his chance to be a coach at, in Columbia at University of South Carolina, and just, Justin Stepp uh, doing the same thing. I mean, that those types of guys, I think that's what Carolina football needs, is guys who want to be a part of Carolina football, and I think Coach Beamer, like you said, is going to 100% bring that to us. Definitely, definitely. Well, Corey, I really appreciate you being on here with me today. It was good talking to you. Um, best of luck with all you're doing coaching. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to try and get down and catch you guys playing a game whenever we get the world back to normal without COVID. Um, and uh, it was good, good getting to talk with you. Definitely good catch up. appreciate you having me on. And uh, we should do this more often. Yeah, for sure, man. We'll do it again. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a competitive guy. And right now, um, your former teammate, Savelle Newton, has the most downloads on my podcast. So we're going to have to see if we, if we can beat him with this episode. Oh, man, I, I don't want to compete with my guy. You know, <laughs> let, let all the greats be great. Hopefully we can, you know, support you and, and bring more, you know, more attention to your movement and things of that nature and you know i'm proud of you and uh you know let's keep it going yeah man sounds great well it was good talking to you we'll do it again soon uh best of luck to you and everything coming up all right yes sir all right thank you good talking to you all right all right folks that was former gamecock running back Corey Boyd uh, coming on today. What a great honor to have him on the show um, and get to talk to him again. Please make sure you uh, like and, or excuse me, review and rate this episode and uh, subscribe if you haven't already so we can get our name out there for more slightly above average football fans to check us out. Hope everybody has a great one. See you again soon. (laughs) 